Today we're going to begin uh, really a summertime series. Uh, It's going to really carry us uh, for really right into the fall. Um, uh, It's called Waiting on the Lord. And the reason it's called Waiting on the Lord is almost one year ago, I was was praying and asking the Lord. 2020, in the summer, my personal prayer time, praying for you, praying for our church, and saying, God, 2020 has been the most unique, that's how positive I was, that's, that's, that was the limit. It's been the most unique year. It's been a lot that we've had to face. God, I'm, I'm asking that you would help us to see what 2021 might look like. And uh, I, I didn't get any answer right away. I just, just held it out before the Lord. I was just praying. And then one day, uh, in, in daily prayer, actually, I was, um, I was just praying. I wasn't really looking for the answer to that question. I was simply seeking God. And then suddenly, something like a picture dropped in front of me. And I saw a scorched landscape. Totally scorched. It looked as if a wildfire had come through. And everything looked devastated. And I was like, huh. But suddenly there was this rumbling that occurred. And the ground began to shake. And there was like this, these green, this green life began to shoot from under the ash. It began to spring forth, right? And I, I began to see it. I'm like, Oh, and then all of a sudden, it's like the picture got a little wider for me. And I, I begin to see in a, in a wider picture that life was beginning to spring forth. And, and I knew immediately God was speaking to me about what 2021 would look like for us. What, what, what he was saying about what the, what the culture in this region would be like. That there would be this out of the ashes of 2020, there would come a sudden springing forth of life. And in that same moment where I'm, I'm, I feel as if the Lord is unveiling his heart toward me, immediately I hear Isaiah 40, verse 31. If you have your Bible, you could go there and look at that. I have so many scriptures to give you today that are kind of birthed out of this, this uh, timely message. That's really what I want to give you today is a timely message. And that's how we're actually going to spend our summer, and you'll understand that in just a moment. Um. That in that moment, the Lord spoke to me, Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I knew that that was the renewal of strength, that suddenly there was going to be life and strength that came to the body of Christ after we had been uh, literally experienced death at a high uh, level and, and life as we knew it for many people had burned to the ground and God says, there is hope coming. There is a move of my spirit coming. He says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They will run. They will run. Anybody take up running this year? They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And I've spoken about those details and what that looks like for us without me going into it today. But I want to tell you, that the, the summation of that vision was this, that out of devastation will come new life. 
And here's what the Lord spoke to me last, uh, just, just in the weeks approaching this one. That season has begun. That season is now. It's not coming. We're not looking for it. It's now. It's now. It's, it's the same way that when Jesus stood up in his day and he read from the scroll, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to, that there is liberty for the captives. It's the opening of the, the prison doors. It's, it's the blind are going to see. He, he gave the scripture back, sat down. Didn't stand up. He sat down and he said, today this begins. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm, I'm giving you this instruction because I know this is the season that we're in. This is what God is doing. And perhaps you're like, well, I'm still waiting on God to clear some of the embers from what I've been going through. I'm telling you, God's on the move. This is your moment. And as I was praying here a little over a week ago, um, it's like God unfolded that whole picture to me again. And for me, I thought at first it was just a reminder. I thought the Lord's just reminding me because as a leader, sometimes my head is already thinking about 2022. Not you. You guys are like, oh, especially the teachers in here. You're like, oh, I'm in summer school. And you're like, oh, thank God. And so, uh, you know, sometimes as a leader, you're thinking, okay, God, what's coming? And then the Lord just reminds me and shows me this picture again. But when he showed me the picture, he said, the season is now. And then suddenly four words flooded my soul so fast. I had nothing to write with. There was nothing for me to take it down. It was like the Lord dropped at my spirit. And immediately I knew what we were going to be spending time as a spiritual family growing and doing and focusing on in a season where God is giving new life. And it came just like this. As I was saying, God, thank you for the reminder. He said, you will see unprecedented growth in this season as you focus on the seed, the soil, the soaking, and the sun. Just like that. That fast. The seed, the soil, the soaking, and the sun. It, it came like that. Now, for those of you who've been around Calvary for a long time, I laughed out loud because all of them started with S's, and I think that comes from Pastor Mike Rarick. You know, like every sermon always started with the same letter. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm becoming my father. You know? <laughs> you know? It was so great. Uh, but I laughed because it came very fast. It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I need to go and like I need to work out these words. It came very fast. Seed. It says seed soil soaking in sun, just like that. So later I would write that down. And so what I want to I want to let everybody know is that as you are experiencing new life in this season, what we are going to do as a community is we're going to begin to focus on the seed, the soil, soaking in the sun. And as we do, listen, God is going to be positioning you to use you. This isn't just about us finally feeling better about the kinds of Christians we are. This is about us being a tool that he can use in a time where many need the real Christ. They need a real God. 
who has changed the lives of real people who've been through some real stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the first one, the seed. Now, this is all real important because this is like a summer season. Now, I know that all of you, you know, really kind of have some ideas about summer. But I've got some important questions that I need to make sure that you know about summer. If you you got to get some of these facts down, okay? Okay, here, a little pop quiz. Just see how familiar with the summer season of growth, all right? Where do sharks go on vacation? <laughs> Finland. These are very important. You're groaning like you paid to come in. You're getting your money's worth. <laughs> what, did the, what did the bread do on vacation? Nothing. It just loafed around. <laughs> Some people just got that over here. Some of oh, bread. Oh, okay. How, I got, what, how about this one? Why didn't the mummy ever go on vacation? Because he was afraid to unwind. All right, I'm going to go back to preaching now. I hear you thinking, don't quit your day job. I know. <laughs> I want you to understand that the summer season is a season of growth. It includes rest. It includes getting recharged, but we need to take a closer look at these four ingredients of this time of growth, the seed, the soil, the soaking in the sun. Today, we're going to look at the seed. You say, why? What, what is the seed? Now, we're going to spend some time in a couple of weeks looking at uh, the parable that uh, the, the seed reference comes from, but I want to give that scripture to you. Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, from the very beginning, so you understand what the seed is, this is what Jesus says. Now, this is the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Listen to me, church. Just look up. I'm glad you're taking notes, but look at me. There will be no revival apart from the word of God. I am praying for a move of God's spirit. But a move of God's spirit must be foundationally built upon the, the unchanging word of God. If I were to describe what I believe the kind of revival that needs to happen, it is a full-blown move of God's spirit with many people being saved, many people being healed, many people being set free, many people being filled with the spirit, all of those signs, wonders, that's all beautiful. But can I just tell you that there is a crisis in the body of Christ Christ. And that is that we, we have, have actually uh, just kind of 
a portioned Bible reading over to the side, or we, we kind of said, well, I, I don't know if that's connected as much to a move of the Spirit. And I want to tell you today, what we need in the church is a Bible revival. We need people who would get back to the Word of God, who would cherish the seed. And we won't have growth unless we get the first step right. And I, I want, I believe, and this is what God wants to do today. He wants you to begin to treasure the Word like never before. And I want to help you with that today. So we see from this passage that the word is a seed. Now, this seed is both practical and supernatural. The word is practical. How many, how many of you like uh, uh, practical instruction? That's really good. I like it when it's very simple and it, it gives me practical instruction. If you want to understand uh, a combination of, of how the Bible practically uh, works for us, you'd find it in 2 Timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 16, which says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you see that you are thoroughly equipped as it pertains to your relationship to God's Word? That is the place of equipping. Notice the four things uh, that, the, that the word does. First, it teaches. It teaches. Anybody know what the number one search engine in the world is? It's not Google. It's YouTube. It's YouTube, number one search engine in the world. When people want to know how to do something over and over and over, they are going to YouTube because it shows them how to do what they don't know how to do. Let me just say in the church, we need to return to the search engine that will show you how to live this life in a Christ-like way, an overcoming way. And we, as we begin to search this, this will teach us how to live as we should. It teaches us. It shows us what we don't know. Now, the next level of, of what the scripture does is rebuke. Now, the, some of these are not comfortable. Rebuke is to speak in a way that will bring a stop to a behavior, to a choice, a decision. It just... All it does, it doesn't give an answer. It just brings, it ceases that activity. It's the idea, maybe, you know, this summer you'll be on vacation some way and you'll, you'll go get ice cream and maybe you're outdoors and if you got little kids, you know, and you're mixing sugar into that whole equation and you're, you're paying and then all of a sudden that, that sugared up kid just does what sugared up kids do. They start to run. If they start to run out into the road, into traffic, you're not going to go, oh, little Timmy. Son, I, I need you to just, just just wait, wait, wait. No. Why? There's a lot on the line there. What you're probably going to do is turn and say, Stop! 
There'll be an elevation of the voice and a forcefulness with it. Why? Because you know that what you have to do in that moment is preserve the life so that then you could train the life. And many times what we need as, as human beings, we need God to come and say, stop. And many times when we get the stop, we're not always given the reason right then. It's when we've been removed from the danger and we come back into relationship that then God begins to what? Instruct us in righteousness. So here we get the rebuke and correcting. How many of you woke up this morning and thought, wow, I can't wait to be corrected today. (laughs) See, we have sometimes the wrong idea about the word correction. Correction really is beautiful. Because it suggests that a life has motion. At least you're moving. At least you're going somewhere. At least probably at one point you were trying to follow God and do things the right way. And perhaps the, the, the world kind of comes in. The culture comes in. And you just get a little bit off. You get a, you're, you're wandering a little bit. You're grabbing hold of values that don't really match the values of God. And what does God do? All he does in love, he says, I'm going to give you correction. He just fixes your direction so that you end up in his purpose. That's what the scripture does. It's very practical. He's like, oh, nope, you're wandering off. You're wandering off, and the scripture will come and correct. He'll aim you again into his love, into intimacy, and his purpose for your life. Then it's also training for righteousness. That means how in the world am I supposed to demonstrate the righteousness that Christ gave me? The scriptures tell us how to do it. It's very practical. But the scriptures are more than just a practical book. The scriptures themselves are supernatural. And we find this out from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, the word of God is living and powerful. We'll we'll come back to that word. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division and soul and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. It says this, the word of God is alive and it is powerful. This word in the Greek, energeo, it would be like, it would be energetic it is, it is intense, it's vibrant, it's active. That's how another, another way it's, uh, it, it's, it's translated is active. The Word of God is supernatural, and it contains within it the intense, vibrant energy necessary to live its mandates. It's powerful. You say, are you sure about that? Yes, Jesus said it himself. These words are in red. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. And the flesh profits nothing. Everybody say, the flesh profits nothing. Oh boy, don't we ever need a reminder of that. Anybody ever get anywhere good by living according to the flesh? No. No, you didn't. Read Galatians 5 if you want to turn up, want to figure out what the flesh does. Galatians 5 will tell you. But when you live by the Spirit, notice what he says about his words. He says, my words, they, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. 
It is the Spirit who gives life. He says, there is a spiritual component to the words that I speak. And the words that I speak are full of life. And if you want the kind of life that was in Christ to be in you, he says, John 15, abide in me and my word should abide in you. Then you what? You will be my disciples indeed. Why? Because the life that's in me will be in you through the words which contain the life. It's supernatural. Now, from time to time, you know, people go through things. People face difficulties. You may have come in here today and said, man, uh, you know, all of this sounds pretty good. But I'm facing some tough stuff. And what I was facing, I tried to read, and, you know, this is what I've heard. People say, it didn't work for me. You say, Pastor, I I hear you talking about praying. But I prayed, and nothing happened. And you told me I I needed to, to, to read the Word, and I started reading, and I got to, in the beginning... I started reading, went right to sleep. I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, of course not. You're not going to get anything but some rest. And if you're sleeping in here right now, just just receive that holy elbow right now from your neighbor. Here's what what I'm saying. Uh, Many people get into a a, a pit when it comes to, to prayer and the word and intimacy with God. And I, I just want to let you know, when, when was the last time that you as a parent were ever upset that your kids fell asleep talking to you? Never. I'm not mad. They may be mad if I fall asleep when they're talking to me. But God never sleeps nor slumbers. And if you're in the place where you're reading his word or you're praying and you're worshiping and you drift off to sleep, let me just tell you, your God loves you. And never question the effectiveness of the word based on the frailty of your flesh. Because when you do, you'll end up in a terrible place. Here's what the word says about itself from 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard from us. You welcomed it not as the word of man. But as it is in truth the word of God. Which also look at, listen to this. Effectively works in you who believe. The word effectively works in those who believe. The word energetically and powerfully works in those who believe. Can I just testify for a moment that I preached the gospel in Honduras like my friends Mike and Judy all? And guess what? The gospel works in Honduras. In everyone who believes. I preach the gospel in Swaziland. And guess what? Everyone who believed. It works. I preach the gospel in many nations. I've been in Ghana declaring the gospel. And here's what you need to know. It works. In all who believe it works. 
I've watched God change lives on the Amazon watershed. While I'm speaking English, one translator goes from English to Portuguese. The next translator goes from Portuguese to Saturé. I mean, I mean, it was like, you know, the three little Indians. Do you know how, how long I had to hang on to the point? I make the point, then they got to make the point, then they got to make the point, and I got to make sure that the last guy is done making the point before I make the next point. You know if anybody gets saved, it's God. It works. The gospel works. Listen, the word of God works effectively in those who believe. Let me say it to you in just a real practical way. When you open the Bible, good things happen. That's as simple as I can. When you open the Bible and begin to receive what it says, good things happen. God's word can't be reduced to merely sounds in the air or marks on a sheet of paper. It's not just a practical book. It's a book about the supernatural redemption of fallen mankind and God's demonstration of his love to come and rescue those who have fallen and could not help themselves. It is a a supernatural book that every time that you open it and you begin to receive it, it will make a difference. You see, God's word is life. God's word is spirit. God's word is alive. It's energetic. It's active. It's working. And it's effective in those who believe. And I want you today to suddenly just, just raise up the respect level and the honor level for the word of God. Because if we do, the results will be tremendous. It all starts with the seed. And the seed is the word of God. Now I do have to tell you, there is one condition. There is one condition. And it is this. Our response to the word determines its effectiveness. Our response to the word determines its effectiveness. Now, I'm going to show you one chapter, a few verses that are really close together, in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, the same idea which is necessary, there are two elements, Old Testament and New Testament, two elements necessary so that we get the full weight and change that comes from the Word. Psalm 25, verses 8 and 9 says this, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He teaches sinners in the way, notice this word, the humble. He guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. If you skip down just a few verses, 12 through 14, it says, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Here's what we learn from Psalm 25. 
is that humility and the fear of the Lord are necessary attitudes to receive the full benefit of God's word. It's humility and the fear of the Lord. That when we come to the word, we don't come with pride. Remember, I mentioned that many people come to me and say, you know, I I tried reading the Bible. It didn't work for me. I want to tell you that, and I'm I'm not judging I'm exposing the the enemy. That is one of the most prideful statements you could make. That statement is steeped in pride. Because what you are saying is, my experience trumps what God's word declares about itself. So when you say... It doesn't work for me. And the word says it effectively works. Who's right? Last time I checked, he's never missed it one time. But we've missed it many times. And we can be deceived by our circumstance and deceived by the way that we feel. And you may be in a moment where you are, you are struggling. Let's be truthful about that. But let's not make assumptions that are not truthful in their basis because the access out of the valley that you've been in is actually through the truth of God's word. And you enter into that path through humility and the fear of the Lord. Now, I I, I said I was going to show it to you from the Old Testament. But I want to show it to you from the New Testament. It's in one verse. One verse. It's in James chapter 1 verse 21. It says this. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Notice first it says... Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. You know what that is? That's repentance. That's the fear of the Lord. When you say, I am rejecting a a lifestyle and choices that God doesn't endorse, I am fearing the Lord. and saying, I am holding him in awe. I am reverently serving him. I, I say, God, I respect you over my own choices. So what? I'm laying aside the things that don't honor you. You tell me to lay them down. Whether or not I understand it, whether or not I get the motivation at first, I repent. I, 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 I have the fear of the Lord. And then what does it say? Then I what? Receive with meekness. The instruction that comes behind it. Sometimes it's a rebuke. It's stop. This is going to hurt you. This is going to lead to death. Stop. And then I, I, I put on humility and I come into intimacy and relationship with the Lord and I receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save my soul. That word save there is sozo. It is so rich. It not only means the salvation of your soul for eternity which is amazing and enough to shout and dance over but it means means it's able to rescue your soul, deliver your soul, bring you out of all kinds of bondage. It is when I have a repentance and the fear of the Lord 
and humility, the Word of God will produce a rescuing of my spirit and soul that nothing else can produce. And they go together. And this is a very clear verse that explains our response determines the effectiveness of God's Word in our life. We've got to embrace the seed in a, in, a, in a genuine way during this season for us. And so I, I'm going to ask that all of Calvary for a moment. If you're, if you're a part and you're a believer in here, I want you to go on a journey. Let's go on a journey together this summer. I want us to do something perhaps you've never done before. This summer, we're going to do a reading plan. It's connected to the Bible app. And it's called Same Page Summer. Where we take the next 90 days and we read the whole New Testament. And you say, I don't know if I can do that. I've got good news. Go to the NIV version, push that little speaker on the side, and there's this really cool English dude who will read the Bible to you. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I think you're going to have to speed that up a little bit, you know. You can do that. But I want us as a church and a body this summer in this season of growth to elevate the seed and say, we're going to get on the same page. We're going to get on the same page. And we're going to send out emails and, 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 and invitations. If you don't have the Bible app, we'll, we'll send out what that reading plan is. I mean, there are some people who said, oh, I don't know how to do that app stuff. We'll help you. But when you do it on the app, there is a, a sense of community there where you can talk about what you've read. And you can say, this is what God spoke to me when I read this today. And then you'll see what God is doing over our community. And here's what you're going to see. You're going to see green coming up out of the burnt landscape of where the devil thought he had destroyed the church, where he thought he had you bound, where he thought he had you right where he wanted you. But all of a sudden, new life is coming as what? As you elevate the seed in your life. Honestly, there may be some here today who, what I'm talking about, um, it's a little foreign. You're kind of like, I, I don't get it. There's a whole lot of people in this room smiling and nodding and like amening and they're excited. And you're in here and you're like, I don't get the Jesus stuff. I don't know why. I heard the message. I'm not real sure. I want to tell you that there's a verse, one verse, that takes the ideas that we were sharing, and you'll understand why some maybe are in this room and they are celebrating in the greatest way, and, and others are kind of scratching their heads. What's, what's the big deal? It's in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
Oh, but listen to this. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's the same message. But there's been some people who were humble enough to say, God, I could never save myself. I was making a wreck of my life. I was headed toward destruction, but God, you in your goodness came and rescued me. When I heard the gospel, it changed my life. It changed. So you, you, those of you who are here, you're like, I don't get it, man. This kind of looks crazy to me. Yeah, it does. Why? Because the power of God is working in us to save us. We've been rescued and washed. Man, we were, we were completely dumbfounded in our sins, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes and makes us sons and daughters. You have no idea how great it is to be in the family of God but you can because most of us in the room remember a day when the message of the cross was foolishness to us but oh there was that day that one day when we heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And suddenly that seed came in. And it gave birth after itself. The word of God, the eternal word of God. You ever wonder why believers live forever? The nature of the seed. The seed is eternal. The fruit it produces is eternal life. That's why we live forever. That's another sermon. <laughs> I want to invite those today. I said the man, the message of the cross has been a little bit foolishness to me. And I wanted to say, today, would you humble yourself? Would you just allow a glimmer of the fear of the Lord to come, to say, God, perhaps you know better than me. Perhaps you see clearer than me. Perhaps this salvation is for me.